which blossomed into the United Nations, you'll find that they said it eventually take over the food supply of the world. Well, it's been done under the guise of private corporations, and there's only five of them, and I've no doubt the five of them, the big five agri-food businesses, are in reality one. Water, of course, is the other big one, because this is warfare strategy, the same techniques which were used thousands of years ago when storming a city-state. You go for their food supply and their water, and everything else you need to live. That's what's happened, and we're living through it as the monsters go ahead. We're back with more after the following messages.
that their grandparents and great-grandparents had. And that's why they don't have the stamina. And that's why they're having all of these aging problems prematurely. Not just all the junk that we're fed to. It certainly all contributes to it. But it's not the only factors involved at all. As I say, when you read the books printed by the big boys, including the ones by Brzezinski, in the Technotronic Era, in his book Between Two Ages, the chapter called The Technotronic Era, he goes into a technique that will be used on the masses of the populations of the world, which would control their minds, mind control. Now, he was no little piddly old player. This man was an advisor to presidents, still is, and he worked for the NSA and many other major institutions. And he talked about this technique that would be brought in that would basically control the minds and subdue the people. After all, the best way to defeat an enemy and the public you see are the enemy is to attack their minds first and foremost. That used to be left primarily to purely psychological warfare techniques, but they've gone a step further, and they're using techniques to do with harp and other types of microwave technologies combined to bring us all down, including the spraying in the air, which goes on incessantly. Stuff going back to the days of Teller, the grand inventor of the H-bomb, another wonderful example of the psychopath. He recommended spraying the air uh, with metallic particles and then using ELF frequencies on them. And one of the side effects, he said, would be to alter the emotions of people. That has been tested on, on whole continents. In fact, they have all of this data. And just by altering the frequencies, they can make you very happy, laid back, or rather anxious or angry. Very simple stuff in these days. And, of course, they can also cause earthquakes by harp as well in conjunction with the spraying. Tornadoes, hurricanes, and all kinds of wonderful warfare mayhem. The masters of war are fascinated by such power, but then all psychopaths are. It's in their genes. And they certainly do pass these genes on to their own offspring. And we wonder why this hell continues intergenerationally done through many, many, many centuries. Well, that's why Plato talked about it. He said if you can breed qualities in and out of domesticated animals, you can do the same with people. And long ago, the aristocracies bred out those genes, those parts of the brain that give us compassion and empathy and helped us to be sociable towards each other. And that collectively becomes a survival instinct when we all help each other out. But they bred them out for kings and queens and the wealthy families as they intermarried and intermarried and closer and closer and closer until they are psychopathic by nature. They then, because they are so rich, they hire the rich men and all the scientists to do all their work for them down below so they can control the populations. But the one fear they've written about down through centuries and centuries is that one day the masses might reach a magic magic number and become uncontrollable. They're terrified of that. And, well, they should be. Well, they should be, because now it's coming out, often by their old books themselves, that they wrote themselves, and they're rather arrogant, uh, of all the things they wanted to do to the masses. We're seeing it manifest 
and people in the populations are becoming rather unhappy as they learn about what's been done to them and why. But speaking about genes, the whole Darwinistic socialist movement of the 20th century blossomed into different factions to study specific parts of personality types. They tried to stereotype different families and categories and predict what their offspring would be, of course, amongst the commoners. And when they were first measuring the size of their skull and doing all of these strange things that they're all into, Adolf Hitler was one of them, but then so was President Roosevelt, so was Wins Wilson, so were some of the prime ministers of Britain. They were all into eugenics, you see, and the belief in bigger cerebrums and the right to rule of what goes with lesser cerebrums. And they came up with all these crazy ideas measuring from the, the earlobe to the nose, etc., to try and detect criminal traits. Well, that's all been brought back together, but under a, a scientific guy, a more scientific guys, under genes. Genes now are supposed to be the excuse that they're using for everything, for all their theories. Now, a theory, remember, is only a guess. They eventually get taught as fact, but they're still called theories, so they can't quite cross that line. But meanwhile, these theories are, are given the force of law, and you never guess what they're doing. Long ago, in the various psychological magazines to do with America, the big ones, the big American psychological magazines and psychiatry, they wanted the rights given to social work departments to remove children from their parents if they had certain traits, including these strange measurements from the ear to the eye and all the rest of it. Well, here's what they're doing now, and this is from the Telegraph on what date is this? This is the 18th of March, 2008. I've read a bit of this before, but it's worthwhile going through again. DNA database plans for children who could become criminals by Simon Johnson. Primary school children should be put on the national DNA database if their behavior suggests they will, they will become criminals, a senior Scotland Yard expert said yesterday. And it says, Gary Pugh, Director of Forensic Science and the new DNA spokesman, a DNA spokesman, can you believe that? For the Association of Chief Police Officers. Now, the Association of Chief Police Officers is a United Nations organization. You should ask your chief police of your area if he belongs to this. You'll find that he does. And he called for a database on the measures required to identify future offenders. He said, if we have a primary means of identifying people before they offend, then in the long term, the benefits of targeting younger people are extremely large. Now, remember that term is called pre-arrest syndrome. It was brought in during the first Homeland Security Act in the U.S. and the, under the anti-terrorism bills everywhere else, where they're going to arrest you if they suspect that you might commit a crime. Same idea, you see. Same idea, back to the old eugenicists with their measuring tapes and measuring your skull and your ears and your eyes and all the rest of it. They never give up. But it's the same bunch. We have to find who are possibly going to be the biggest threat to society. Now, God help anybody with a functioning brain because that's who they're after, you see. But critics say, said this was a step towards a police state that would risk stigmatizing youngsters who had yet 
that, can we? The details of more than 4.5 million people, including about 150,000 children under the age of 16, are held on the government's database, making it the largest system of its kind in the world. Last week it emerged that the number of 10 to 18-year-olds placed on the database after being arrested will have reached about 1.5 million this time next year. Police in England and Wales need parental consent to take a DNA sample from children under 10, the age of criminal responsibility. Hmm, interesting. I'll read more of this after the break. Back in a moment. through the matrix and watching the next move towards the persecution of your children if anyone out there actually cares anymore because to be honest with you uh, those who really are interested in and take full-time interest in their own children are dwindling they expect the state to bring them up and that's only happened since about the 1970s but it's here to continue with this article from the Telegraph to do with, with taking the, the DNA of youngsters and trying to label them potential criminals before they've done anything. And this is what this is all about. It goes on to say here, children in Scotland can be charged with an offence of eight, but please can't take DNA if they're younger. Julio Margo from the Institute for Public Policy Research who wrote a recent report on the issue, agreed that it was possible to identify risk factors in children aged 5 to 7. It's possible. You know what possible means? Go into the definition of possible, because it's not factual, it's possible. But she said that placing young children on a database risks stigmatizing them. No kidding. Chris Davis of the National Primary Head Teachers Association said Mr. Pugh's suggestion could, could be viewed, could be viewed as a step towards a police state. Now, what world has this guy been living in uh, for the last few years, I wonder? But again, these characters are the ones who are always brought forward to pretend that they're, they can't do that. That's naughty. We can't have that. So they bring these characters forward. They're all part of the act. He added it's condemning them at a very young age to something we have not yet done to label children at that stage and put them on a register is going too far. I guess that's why he's a teacher. He, he has the ability to say things like this. But that's what they're doing, you see, and they're, what they're really after are to find, they want to find those people, those children with leadership qualities, the ones who haven't yet been stuck on Ritalin, and they want to destroy those youngsters. They'll be on their records their whole lives when they go for jobs and so on. They're a potential criminal even though they have never, ever done anything. It's quite amazing, isn't it? And now we all sit back thinking that it doesn't affect us. I'm okay, Jack. A tough luck on you. Because society has been so fragmented that we're allowing this to happen. The old saying, they came for the socialists, and I wasn't a socialist, so they left me alone. And then they came for this party and that party and all the rest of it and left me alone. It's so true. Then they come for you, and there's no one to stand up for you. That's so true, because this society has been purposely divided and conquered long ago. 
man against woman, woman against man, children against parents. And we're watching uh, the easy victory right now as they steamroll their agenda through. That's why it's being steamrolled. There's no opposition anymore. It's been pretty well done. Now, here's an interesting article, too, that I'm going to mention before I take callers. Uh, it's about cell phones. Now, people think cell phones are a great thing. You'll see people addicted to them, yapping to themselves behind you in stores or in queues for a coffee. They, they, they prattle on about their upcoming pap smears and stuff like that because they completely forget where they are. And they're addicted, totally addicted to yapping all the time and sensing chatter. Uh, it doesn't matter what they're chattering about as long as it's, it's happening. It makes them feel alive. And they think that the cell phone and all other things are given to them by the big manufacturers because the manufacturers just want profit and, and they love them. And nothing is further from the truth because the cell phone has been designed to track you and to go a step further to track all your purchases. See, so this is from the Los Angeles Times, March 16, 2008. You might not know it, but as of January, it became illegal in California for companies to require workers to have devices implanted under their skin that would reveal their whereabouts at all times. Did you know that had been brought into a bill that they tried to pass? State Senator Joe Simishian called his legislation a safeguard against the ultimate invasion of privacy. Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger signed the bill into law in October. But your privacy may not be completely safe. See, these guys don't stop. It's, you know, they come back again and they, they offer you the mice more cheese and they go for it, generally, the bait. The same chip-based technology that California won't allow to be forcibly placed under people's skin will soon be ubiquitous in cell phones, which the, the telecom industry believes will be increasingly used as electronic wallets to make purchases. Surprise. They were all really shocked and surprised. They yawn, yawn, yawn. Virtually all leading cell phone makers are already introducing this technology to their handsets. Payments by cell phone are expected to explode over the next few years as more stores are equipped to handle such transactions. Here's how it'll work. You go to the Gap, select a pair of khakis, and wave your phone in front of a reader at the cash register. The purchase price is instantly deducted from your checking account like a debit card or applied to a credit card account. A record of the purchase is also entered into the GAPS database. That's very convenient and will undeniably be a boon to shoppers, merchants, and cell phone companies. What the technology also means, though, is that all cell phone owners, which is nearly everyone, will be technologically tagged. In theory, anyone or any company or government agency with a desire to do so would be able to identify you from as much as 300 feet away and track you as you go about your business. Actually, they can do it from satellites. You can do it from satellites, too. That's the real news about it. I'll be back with more after these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
folks. I'm Alan Watt back, and we're cutting through the matrix. This matrix of illusion has been propagated at the public from our birth and reinforced through repetition through mainly the media, who takes over from the educational system, and we're being educated all our lives. We educated constantly upgraded like a computer system by upgrades in the program. And it's downloaded into us by the media, like Brzezinski said, and that's what we parrot about every day at work, but not the stuff that I'm talking about here. They parrot about the trivia. It's the trivia that grabs them as intended to in this surrealistic world. And to continue a little bit more with this cell phone tracking and your purchases, this uh, writer says, your cell phone would be constantly broadcasting your location your location, possibly your name, address, and other potentially sensitive information. The public have been slow to appreciate the privacy implications of this technology. And no kidding, eh? No kidding. Uh, I don't think they even... I don't think they think too much at all about it. They'll sell their souls for convenience. Uh, that's what I said. Here's what Submission said. It says, who has a variety of other bills in the hopper to address various aspects of what's known as radio frequency identification, or RFID. Most people don't realize there's no law against who can read the information on an RFID tag and no limit on what can be placed on the tag, the machine said. Okay, let's take a deep breath. RFID technology has been around since World War II when transponders were placed on Allied aircraft to distinguish them from German planes. These days, RFID is everywhere. When workers wave an ID card to fob in front of a reader to enter their building, that's RFID. When plastic tags are placed on mentioned dyes in supermarkets or retail stores to manage inventory, that's RFID. Tags are starting to be inserted in driver's licenses and passports. The Legoland theme park in Denmark recently experimented with giving RFID wristbands to children so they could easily be found by parents. The spokeswoman said there was, no, there was no plans to test the technology at the Legoland in Carlsbad. China is now in the process of issuing RFID-equipped national ID cards to all of its 1.3 billion citizens. Now remember, China is the model state for the world, according to the United Nations, which we must all start to emulate. There's no question RFID can make official documents harder to fake and make life much easier for consumers. Think how fast a checkout line would be. If everyone were carrying an RFID equipped cell phone or credit card instead of cash or old-fashioned magnetic strip plastic, cell phone companies love the technology because they anticipate customers using more minutes and being less likely to switch services once they've turned their handset into an e-wallet. So the cell phone itself is only a stepping stone towards the chip. Once something becomes indispensable, as these things do so quickly, like the computer, we can't think of going back to old-fashioned pencil and paper or telephoning people and talking over the telephone or even face-to-face. And therefore, when they come out again with the chip, when it becomes mandatory, they'll accept it and be quite happy with it for most, most of the people. We will sell our souls for convenience sake. Now I'm going to go to the callers, and we've got Jim from South Carolina on the line. Are you there, Jim? Yeah. Hey, Helen. How are you doing tonight? Not so bad. Hey, I just received your uh, first book in the mail. I'm really excited to read it. Uh-huh. 
Um, I had uh, one observation and one question for you. Um, the observation would be I just uh, flew for the first time in several years, and I just found out how disturbing it was how they pros process people through the airport. When yep. I went to go get my um, ticket at the counter, you can't even talk to any person anymore. You have to go through the computer there to get the ticket, mm -hmm. which is uh, very different than when I was just a little boy going through the airport. So right there, they've taken away um, kind of the humanity of a person where you have to deal with a computer, and then you have to go through the homeland security that they have now through to get checked and screened, and you have to have your ticket with you in hand, and then you have to show it to three or four different people. And then if you bring a bottle of water, I've noticed other people online, they pull you aside and make an example of you. And it was it was just amazing how it's people are tolerate this. Yeah. And uh, it's just the continual, I see it in people that they accept this, and I just found that ex disturbing. Um, the question I had for you was, I was listening to the um, um, radio show that I've heard you back on. Um, uh, what's it, a guy called um, out of Texas? Uh, the guy, uh, I can't think of it now, but he was talking about the uh, Delphi technique. Uh -huh. And I looked online and read a little bit about that. And there's, I remember them doing similar techniques in school where it's group thinking and they try to break you down where you try, if you have an idea different than the group, then they try to use that as against you as that you have the wrong idea. I was just wondering if you could talk about that. Yes, the, the Delphi technique has been used for many, many years. It was, they came out of the same institutions as the potential, uh, human potential movement, they called it. And the whole idea was they understood that a dynamic type leader could pretty well hypnotize an audience, especially if the people were already true believers. Uh, that's why they come to learn powers, etc., the inner powers and all the rest of it. But they also thought we could use this for persuasion purposes on on people's, on councils, for instance, at council meetings where the public are invited in to listen in. And for the big changes that they wanted to do with the world, uh, even right down to taking their water supplies farther from them, uh, they, would, they would send in these particular characters that were taught in the Delphi technique, and they would set the stage, so to speak, so that the public who would come in, who would eventually have to give their consent for any of this to proceed, you know, any projects to do with taking over your water supply, etc. Uh, they put plants in the audience, and what they do is they quickly are able to suss out those in the audience as well, uh, who are the people pleasers, the ones who would bring the apples to the teachers if they were still back in school. <laughs> and they, they, they would make eye contact with those ones. Therefore, if anybody stood up at, at, at the conference and asked a serious question that, that the man didn't want to be asked, uh, or it was too uh, hot on the topic, too, too truthful as to how the public would suffer if a particular bill or whatever went, was passed, you would get the person, the people pleaser, to stand up and shout down uh, that particular talker. Uh, so it's a psychological process that's taught and the whole idea, again, is to bring everyone to consensus by using simple uh, Plato-type dialogue techniques where they lead you into a form of logic. So they'll say, we all agree that gravity keeps you on the ground, and you all say, yeah. 
um, if you jump off the ground, you'll come back down. Yeah, and, and step by step, they'll take you uh, along their topic uh, if they want to take the water supply from you. And at first, it will be logical. No one wants a poison water supply. That's correct. They'd all agree. And little by little, he'll take you in 180 degrees. And when the few in the audience who are not under the hypnotic spell of consensus, because people in groups all tend to want to agree with each other, but there's always the few who retain their individuality and still think. When one person stands up and points out the obvious, the fact that they're going to be robbed of their rights and they'll pay a fortune for this new installation to be brought in or whatever, uh, the people pleasers then stand up uh, together and shout down that but they'll say quiet you're, you're disturbing the talk you're disturbing the and, and that's how it works it's pure psychology an old psychological technique and these professionals are sent across the country they're flown in uh, to get their way they generally it's generally for continental wide movements uh, for instance they did that with the watershed bills that they wanted to pass where they could say that everywhere in the planet was a potential watershed, and that's to take all your rights of land away from you. But it was never presented to the public in such a straightforward fashion. They used the Delphi technique to, to make it happen. And ultimately, the people will give their own consent to their own demise. They will lose everything through consensus building. And it's, it's extremely effective on most Very individuals. Very effective. Yeah. Very more so today because... For the last 15 years, sometimes 20 years in different states and different places, they've been using it in school through groupthink uh, with all student circles. And before anyone can leave the group or the circle, they must come to a consensus on everything. Uh, if one particular individual has a different opinion from, from the group or the mob, uh, he's ostracized and he's put sent to Coventry, so to speak, until he realizes the errors of his ways and comes back and agrees with the rest of them. So they've already been conditioned to consensus. Very interesting. Well, thank you, Mr. Roth. Uh, thanks for calling. Yeah, we're, we're run by psychology and psychiatry and science, and we are well understood because we're the most studied species on the planet. Now we've got Jim from Buffalo, New York, on the phone. You there, Jim? Yes, sir. Yeah. How are you? Not so bad. Um, um, I've just been listening to your show. Great as always. Uh, you mentioned before, although you said it in a different context, about people not uh, nobody cares. Mm -hmm. I, I'm convinced that it seems to me that nobody cares about anything. Mm -hmm. um, and when this kind of news, like you are telling, is when you try to put forth this, this info to people, people look at you like you have three heads. Mm -hmm. um, because I guess if they didn't hear it on CNN or Fox News, it's not true. Yes. And if that's, and this goes, I think, I guess it kind of blends right into what you were just saying about this Delphi technique. Uh, if, if people are being indoctrinated to think that way, then they're not going to think outside the box ever. Yes. It's, it's a sad state of affairs. It is. However, you go back into the books again and you'll find that many of the big players who understood and set up the think tanks who, that would eventually implement a lot of this agenda, like Lord Bertrand Russell, uh, they stated in their own books that they would create a, a situation, a state, a mental state of apathy amongst the general population. And they went into it in some detail as to how they'd bring this about. And the whole idea was through constant repetition 
of daily news with little blurbs coming from government agencies that people would psychologically begin to accept they were inferior, their lives were being controlled, they'd accept it, and that they didn't have rights, etc. Uh, all the thinking was done for their bet by their betters above them, these special people, and that's happened. You have a state of apathy where people feel that everything is out of their control anymore. And plus, um, with the wars of the, on the family, which were very real wars, very, they were scientifically brought in to play uh, and, and promulgated through magazines and talk shows and so on until you have a dysfunctional system, uh, people are in an apathetic state. And when they're all divided and conquered, it's much easier to steamroll ahead with this scientific-type dictatorship that they, they, they plan to, to ultimately uh, admit is being used to, on the public. Right, and the mainstream media uh, and advertising agencies uh, do this to us every minute of every day. Yes. Uh, again, Bertrand Russell in the 1920s and again in the 50s reiterated that very point. He says we must bring the experts in psychological manipulation he says Madison Avenue and the others in to work with us because they understand how to motivate the public and make them do things they would otherwise not do. Yep, and uh, based, well, this is why we have a nation of sheep. Yes. Um, I don't know. Where are you from, Mr. Watt? Uh, Scotland. Scotland. Are you there now? Is that where your, uh, your shows are coming from? No, I'm not in Scotland now. Oh, I was oh, in oh. Scotland now. I'd, I'd be in some prison in London. Oh, that's, I'm sorry, I forgot about that. Actually, once in a while, though, the mainstream media throws you a, I, I like to say they throw you a bone, but then they don't really give you any details. Yesterday, yeah. just for the record, I think it was yesterday afternoon, National Public Radio here um, reported that the level of autism has gone up quite a bit. Yes. And I don't know if you've heard this or not. Yes, um, I get a lot of reports on that, yeah. But they chose to then follow it up with someone who told us that they had no idea why. Of course, of course. Uh -huh. yeah. Yeah. So I don't understand what the point of even telling us was. I, you know, well, well, the point is to familiarize you with the idea of a form of inevitability, uh, that this is so. Uh, you, you accept it eventually. The more you hear it as being a new normal, they're always giving us new normals. And however aberrant it happens to be, it does become a new normal in the minds of the public, because they don't think through it on a conscious level. They just hear it through repetition. Right. You mean as opposed to the complete absence of this disease, say, 50 years ago or so? What's uh, that's right. That's right. It used to be one in, in 100,000, and even then it was evident from birth. Uh, the new autism, the new normal autism, happens within about two weeks after having its first inoculations, and that's standard now, yeah. And we just don't ask any questions anymore, right? I mean, that's, that's really what... Well, uh, uh, part of it was the mercury, but that's a red herring, too. Uh, mercury definitely is not nice for the brain. They knew that back in the 1800s when they used it to fight syphilis. They knew the effects on the brain. But uh, I, I really do, and I've come to the conclusion, that when these characters 100 years ago talked about bringing the population down by sterilizing the populations, by... Uh, attacking parts of their brain which gave them their critical thinking abilities. I think they have done it through the inoculations, and I think they put, they've inserted specific chemicals and viruses that target certain parts of the brain because people's IQs, you probably know that, with a new normal for the IQ level, it's down a few points. They've dropped it officially. Yes, yes. 
Hmm, very interesting. Well, I I would hope that uh, people start to wake up. That's I don't know what else to say. Maybe yes, I, I, I agree. Uh, I don't think it's up to the masses. The masses will probably go whichever way they've gone in, in previous times. But the big changes don't don't happen by the masses. It's always by the few who can retain consciousness, who can stand up at the right places at the right times and point to those who are doing this and speak eloquently enough with enough historical data and facts to back it up. And right. suddenly the king has no clothes and the spell is broken. Mm-hmm. Um, you can appeal to the emotions of the public as well because we have to get those emotions back. The bonding emotions that kept us together as your survival mechanisms, uh, that can be appealed to uh, because ultimately um, it is true if the public eventually look down at the ground when you appeal to their emotions and ask them, do you really care about other people or don't you give a damn? When they don't give a damn, it's over for them. There's no doubt about it. But we will go through hell, absolute hell, through this scenario and we'll see the battle of the titans uh, as they war amongst each other at the top. Uh, it, will, it does not look good for the general public, but some of us will come through and hopefully the lessons learned can be taught to the very young forever so that we can avoid this kind of thing ever happening again. All right, well, thank you very much. And thanks for calling. Back after these messages. Hi. Alan Watt back, cutting through the matrix. And uh, we have Nate in Alabama there. Hello. Hey, Alan. Yes, go ahead. How you doing tonight? I'm surviving here. I hear you. Hey, a pretty interesting show. Earlier you were touching on the cell phones and having all your financial information in it and being convenient and everything. Um, I would like to confirm that because when I was in Japan last year, I actually seen this technology. Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy I was with, he had all his credit card informations and his cell phone used it to purchase stuff and you know it's really convenient if you've ever been there in the train stations it's really chaotic and uh-huh. you could pull up any train station and the schedules and the maps and mm-hmm. pretty much anything you wanted to do is on a cell phone yes yeah 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 once we're once we're in it of course there's no going back you understand once once a certain percentage of the population accepts something under this so-called term democracy it's made law and it'll be the only way to go because one way or another we've all got to get tracked and traced by the authorities and the cell phone will be used for a few years and then in will come the chip by law and that definitely on that's the whole object of us getting trained step by step computer to cell phone to chip yeah, I agree with that. You know, actually, pretty much everybody got a cell phone except me. But uh, yeah, and uh, that's how they're probably tracking everybody right now. It is. Yeah. 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 But I just wanted to confirm that because I have seen it with my own eyes, and I yeah. know it's out there. Well, thanks for calling. Okay, thank you. Bye now. Bye. That was Mark from New York. Are you there, Mark? Yes. Good evening, Alan. How are you? Not so bad. Good. Good. Uh, your uh, show's great, as usual, and your left calls right on the dime with the cell phones and uh, the caller before that saying that the, he hopes that people 
will wake up, and I sure hope so. They wake up soon because I heard a conversation today of uh, truck drivers talking about a, a major slowdown coming very soon in their future. Mm-hmm. Because he was talking to a, a baker who owns a bakery, and yeah. he said he, he can barely stay in business because of the price of wheat, yes. the price of flour. And uh, the truck driver said with the price of diesel, he, he thinks that in a very short time he's not going to be able to deliver the, uh, the, the goods anymore. That's dead so, on. They're going to create a massive uh, crisis mm-hmm. in the food industry, as, as with everything else, because food is a weapon. Yes. And just today, even in Canada, the, the price of a loaf went up 20 cents. It's going up to 540 cents in, in the next mm-hmm. couple of weeks. Uh, and, and they're creating this supposed uh, wheat shortage mm-hmm. across the world. The Vietnamese have only got 50% of last year's wheat because of mm-hmm. bad crops. But it's all lies. Uh, yet the five agri-food businesses have, have been taking over the entire world's supply of food. Yeah. Yes, I know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to get my supply of wheat in right now for the uh, oncoming food shortage. Yes. Unfortunately, other people don't believe me. They think uh, that I'm yeah, you, yeah, you have to just do what you know is coming. Prepare for it yourself because, right. uh, because food is going to go sky high and be used as a, an ultimate weapon. The United Nations uh, Ministry mm-hmm. of Agriculture stated that years ago they would use food as a weapon. Right. Yeah. Well, I hear the music and uh, well, thank you for taking my, my phone call around. Thanks for calling. You're welcome. I'll be Thanks. back with more in the next show. That's for Hamish myself. Hamish is my dog. Up here in Ontario, Canada, it's good night and may your God or your gods go with you.